Hi, this is Nick Forrester. Welcome to this week's E-Town Podcast. This week, we're going to visit with the Mountain Goats, who came through a blizzard from North Carolina. It was not easy, but they made it to Colorado just in time for the show. Our other artists couldn't get there, so we drew from our fairly sizable local talent pool here in Colorado and brought in a great singer-songwriter, Joe Sampson. And our award winner also couldn't make it because of the snow, sadly, because she's my first cousin who lives down in Brownsville, Texas. She is doing so much good work on the border, helping people who are struggling. She's providing health care and food and so much more. So she has something called Team Brownsville. Uh, Andrea Morris Rudnick is from down there, and she joins us by telephone. But that is all coming to you right now. Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E-Town with this week's guests from Denver, Colorado, Joe Sampson, our interview guest, Andrea Rudnick, and from Durham, North Carolina, the Mountain Goats. I'm Helen Forrester. Join me right now as we welcome our host, Nick Forrester. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. Every week, we bring a few musicians together from different parts of the country, usually playing different styles of music, but always doing something original, something that sounds like them, and we get to tell some great stories. So this week, we have some really good stories to tell. We've got a songwriter who is a mild-mannered friend and a hero to other songwriters like Nathaniel Rateliff and others around here. He is somebody who's perfectly content to let music be a part of his life while he keeps his day gig for a while. But once in a while, though, he agrees to perform, and it's good, and he's here today. So we're happy about that. There's been talk lately about the crisis at the southern border, even some talking about the flow of drugs and invaders and all that stuff. Doesn't sound accurate to us, so we've got a conversation coming up with Andrea Rudnick, who happens to be my first cousin. She lives in Brownsville, Texas, And she's right there at the border. She works with migrants and asylum seekers every day. We're going to talk to her on the phone and find out the real story of what's going down at the border. But first, Mountain Goats, John Darneal, a relentless storyteller, author, songwriter, performer, has put out an amazing volume of work over the last 28 years or so. Don't try to put him in a category because he doesn't fit. Whether his records are out on cassette or vinyl or CD, he likes them to be fresh. He likes his songs to be captured when they're pretty new. I think his newest is the 17th record for the Mountain Goats. It's called In League with Dragons. It's loosely based on a wizard. Uh, Anyway, please help me welcome to E-Town for their first visit, the Mountain Goats. Consciousness and then go dark as bullseye. Go down the devil's way. Go down a twenty devil way. on they'll be asking what I remember go where the dry dirt crawlers tread the fire in the vocal booth the doctor who filed down my teeth dreams from the ether overhead 
Good to say it, right? Yeah, That's it's why fun. it's a band name, kind yeah, of. It just of feels course. good to say the Mountain Goats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, welcome, uh, John. You and Matt sound great. Thank you. Um, I can't <laughs> can't help but think about your early days. Did you, you lived in Claremont, California? Was that where you sort of started getting into guitar playing? Or well, so here's the development of me and the guitar, right? Uh, when I was 12 or 13, I had a bully who would follow me home, and he lived on my block, right? And I was scrawny; I couldn't defend myself. So I started walking downtown, and he followed me the first time, but I started going to stores where they knew me, record stores, and I was haunting the Folk Music Center. And I knew that the bullies, like, the musical environment was just not, I think they could feel it was a kind of magic that was yeah, not available these are to not them, their right? people. Yeah. And so I, I would go in, right? And they had walls full of guitars, and I would pick up a guitar, I didn't know how to play, I played some piano, I had formal training, and I would go over to the chord charts and look at a chord, look real hard at it, then I would put the book back where it goes, because I'm Catholic, Right. <laughs> then I would go over to the guitar and see if I could remember. Yeah. Now, you might say, why didn't you take the chord chart over to where the guitars are? Right. And I would say, well, I can't explain that to you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I would do. And I learned. And you that. didn't buy the book either, so you were cheap well, I didn't as have well. Any money. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I could do about that. So I, had, I knew D and G for the longest time. Wow. That was about it. But so then years later, when I was 22, 23, I had my first job that paid anything. And there was a strip mall store, and this sounds like one of those stories that Tom Waits would tell, and you'd go, ah, Tom, you're kind of polishing the legend a little bit there. But it was run by a couple of blind old men who were, who were identical twin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and this is true, right? Yeah. And you would go in there, and they would use that. They'd come in and say, what can we do for you? And I'd go, uh, look at the guitars, because I was making money and living in employee housing, right? And employee housing cost almost nothing, and, right. it, and it was worth it. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And I bought a $79 Korean import guitar. Mm-hmm. Bought that, and I bought a Hawaiian slack key guitar. But, but I taught I, myself on those. I learned something about you, too, that I think is worth noting. That even though you started in this very earnest sort of folk music world, and you're there, you know, looking at the chords and figuring out how to play G, C, and D, you also were really influenced by the movie Animal House. So just as... When I'm oh, just, oh, I know where you're going with this. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. So, you know, you're thinking about the earnestness that comes from folk music right. and the idea that you could play some traditional music and you could probably, especially if you're someone who's been bullied and you're scrawny and you're right. a teenager, suddenly you're cool at the campfire and girls would pay attention to you. Right, but no, that's not, that's not my end of it at all, right? Because I, you've heard this story. 
There's a scene in Animal House where a guy is playing I Gave My Love a Cherry, and Bluto, John Belushi, says, can I see that for a minute? And he hands him the guitar, and Bluto smashes it very violently and hands him back the neck. <laughs> he goes, eh. and, and I was like, that was my opinion, because I grew up in, the, in California in the 70s. The guy who brings the acoustic guitar to the party is not the guy you want to be. So I was very against that yeah. sort of thing. And all folk music sort of had a tinge on it. Right. But, you know, actually a lot of that stuff is great. So. Yeah, and in some ways you're becoming that in a more oblique way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think of you as being one of those writers who's sort of done everything, and there are very few people I can think of who can write from experience about being a dad, being an IV drug user formerly, being yeah. a Christian, being a punk rocker, being a rebellious teenager. I mean, yeah. all the things you write about, um, you know that stuff. Well, I think no matter what you do, it's like in a dream. Mm-hmm. There's only one character in a dream, and that's you, yeah. right? They wear different faces, but it's all you. And I think in your in your work... You are self-expressing whether you want to or not. Right. So are you a guy who writes songs quickly? Are you a fast songwriter, or does this take a while? I try to take more time now just because I'm growing as a songwriter. And my own playing, although still easily the worst player in my band, I'm getting better, right? I've gained a, like an incredible deep respect for bluegrass and for reggae, which I consider the fields that have the highest barrier for entry of musicianship. Like your average bluegrass musician has smoked me seven days out of seven on anything, right? He's in a band called Hot Rise, which was one of the first records I bought off iTunes when iTunes was new. Uh, I mean, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like at a bluegrass festival, the absolute worst act is considerably better than probably the third best act at Coachella as a player, right? It's like, and that's, and that's just a fact. Yeah. yeah. But I'm so much more interested in playing music as an ensemble now and in listening to each other and in just making room for the incredible quality of the yeah. musicians that I'm privileged enough to work with. I mean, well, you've also created a community, and people appreciate what you do. Right. You know, people are less churched than they used to be, for example. It's really important yeah. for people to come together, especially sing together and hang out around music. Yeah, you Even know, if the so songs are weird and twisted, it's, it's important. Well, it's, it's funny. You were talking about church, and I think about that a lot, about how, you know, we did lose that, for better and worse. But to gather together and sing yeah. and experience music together is incredibly potent. I'm very into it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and um, we also are into it. And uh, this is an old church. Yeah. So once a month now, we do a service here called Hippie Bluegrass Church. No kidding. And it's a live bluegrass band, and we project all the lyrics on the screen, and everybody comes, and they all sing all the songs. God, I would love to come if I was good Hippie enough to see bluegrass with the bluegrass. Church. Come on, man. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> all right. We're going to get back to music. Very glad you're here. Thanks for coming, John. Appreciate it. Thank well, you so much for having me. It's really an honor. Welcome back. The Mountain Goats. the airport A dream in switchgrass and concrete Three gray floors with smoky windows Facing the street Michael pulls the blinds back up Stares blankly down at the intersection Watching for the guy who's got the angel dust Crystal clear connection Days like dominoes All in a line We cheer for the home team Every time Lakeside view Lakeside view Lakeside view for my whole crew. Most nights now sleep in the kitchen. Keep my face cool on the floor. And John, John comes by to drop off his envelopes. Still playing postman. After all these years Pull down my army surplus jacket Dig through some drawers to find the keys Let me emerge transformed In a million years From days like these 
under each eye. Little grease paint smudge. You can't judge us. You're not the judge. Lakeside View. Lakeside View. Just before I leave, I throw up in the sink. One whole life recorded in disappearing ink. And Ray left a message. John Darneal, Matt Douglas, along with the E-Tones at the end, Zach Littlefield, Helen Forster, Eric Moon. Those guys will be back to play some more music later on in the show. Mountain Goats. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you so much for your continued support. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Mountain Goats are going to be back later in the show. And coming up, Joe Sampson, Denver-based songwriter, is here. Um, before Joe comes out, I mentioned that we have been thinking about what some people are calling the crisis at the southern border, and we keep hearing about. So it sounds dramatic. It also sounded extreme and a little exaggerated. Didn't line up with some of the facts that we were at least seeing, like the fact that almost all of the illegal drugs come through regular ports of entry and that the uh, most of those seeking asylum were women and children and so on. Anyway, my sister Pam told me that our first cousin, Andrea, was living in Brownsville, Texas, and very involved in this whole issue every day. And I haven't seen or communicated with my cousin, Andrea, I think since 1967, when she was seven. Um, and so I thought this would be a good chance to connect, get the facts, and uh, learn more from someone who's actually right there in the thick of it. So here comes Helen uh, to tell you more about what's coming up. Thank you, Nick. There's so much in the news about asylum seekers coming to the U.S. from various countries. There's a lot of misinformation and miscommunication from certain media outlets as to what the term, quote-unquote, asylum seeker has traditionally meant in this country. The American Immigration Council defines that as a person who's left their home country as a political refugee and who's looking for acceptance from a safe country. Now, the United States has had a very, very long history of offering asylum or protection to those who meet the international law definition of refugee, including foreign nationals already in the country or those who arrive at our borders. But these days, the experience many asylum seekers face is harsh and difficult. 
Well, luckily, there are dedicated U.S. citizens willing to lend them support, aid, and comfort to get them through the asylum process. And with us, as Nick said, is Andrea Rudnick, member of Team Brownsville, an independent and informal group of volunteers helping asylum seekers waiting to cross or who've already crossed the border from Mexico into her town. Joining us to tell us more about the scene is Andrea Rudnick of Brownsville, Texas. Thank you, Helen. Andrea, are you there on the, on the phone? I am. How are you doing, cousin? I'm doing great. Hey, when did you move to Brownsville? Because I have no idea. We moved to Brownsville in 1986. We've lived there for 32 years. Hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about what it's like where you live. Um, there's a bridge in Brownsville, isn't there? There are three international bridges in Brownsville yeah. that lead from Matamoros to Brownsville. And um, what's been going on? When the immigration laws changed last summer, people were held back from crossing the bridge. Prior to that, people could cross the bridge and legally present themselves and request asylum and go through the paperwork and processing right there in the immigration building. But the changes in the law mandated that Border Patrol sit right in the middle of the bridge and actually force people to go back into Mexico until their number or name was called. Mm -hmm. People were lined up along the bridge. This was last summer. And it's usually about 100 degrees here in the summer. Mm. So men, women, and children were lined up sitting along the bridges with no shelter, no water, no food, just waiting a chance to cross and request asylum. Yeah. And let me just ask you, before this law changed, when people used to come across the bridge... What would happen? The normal routine was that they would go into the Customs and Immigration uh, building that is on the other side of the bridge, and they would be registered, and they would be processed through whatever asylum proceedings that we had in the United States at that time. And so how long nowadays does it take for somebody to get from the time they show up at the bridge to the time they get processed? It's taking about three months. Some people are taken back to the migrant shelters in Matamoros to wait for a period of time, mm -hmm. and then they're forced back out into the yeah. open, which is basically an open area plaza um, right at the base of the bridge. It has no water, no toilet facilities, no bathing facilities. So people are just forced to sleep on the ground and to live on the volunteer service of people crossing and giving them yeah. food and clothing. Wow. I am one of the people who go across the bridge. Our team of volunteers called Team Brownsville, we go across every night to bring dinner and supplies to the asylum seekers in Brownsville. Yeah. And then what happens once they're granted asylum and they're released, then are you there to help them at that point too? We are. The process usually goes like this. If they determine right at the bridge that they have felony convictions or that they're gang-affiliated in other countries or that they've been deported prior to that, they don't ever get to go on with the process. They're immediately sent back. Mm -hmm. If they get through that preliminary screening, they are sent to the Immigration Detention Center. And that's where the whole process starts of them applying and them figuring out whether they have something called credible fear. Right. And so basically the people have to tell their story of what happened to them in their country, yeah. why it is that they're applying for asylum. Again, I'm just trying to just sort of dispel this myth that uh, it sounds like the process A is working, that we're, you know, repelling or rebuffing folks who are either uh, career criminals or gang members, and the folks who are That's coming true. through are often women and children, but other people who are seeking asylum, and not just from Latin American countries, right? That's correct. We often have asylum seekers from different African countries and also from Asian countries. Mm -hmm. So the last thing I just want to touch on is when these people are finally released from these detention centers, and I understand they can be there for quite a while, right? Yes, the norm is one to two months, but we have seen people stay up to two years. And in many cases, that's because of a shortage of judges, right? It can be a shortage of judges, but most of the people that are released from the detention center do not actually have asylum. Mm -hmm. So when they leave the detention center, they leave with paperwork and they leave with an appointment to meet with a judge. They'll have another hearing. And so the process goes on. But they still, at that point, they probably don't have any money or they don't have a place to stay or they don't have any food or they That's don't correct. maybe even have people who speak their language. All those things are correct. And so when they get to the bus station... 
part of what Team Brownsville does is meet and greet them. We welcome them. We say we're happy to have them in the United States. Uh, we take away their detention bags that they're given, which are basically an orange onion sack, and we replace that with a backpack that has a blanket in it, a pillow in it. We give them a bag that has snacks in it, things that will get them across the country, especially since they don't have money in their pocket. Right. And Andrea, so lastly, um, what would you describe as the crisis at the border? I describe the crisis at the border as a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of people that are suffering, that have suffered tremendously, and that are allowed to step forth and request asylum as they should be able to, but are held back and put in just untenable situations. So it's an administrative crisis rather than a a security crisis. I believe that it is. Yeah. And we are doing what we can to help the situation, but we realize that long-term, we don't have the solutions. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, you're making a lot of people's lives better, and I appreciate it. It's really good to talk to you, and I'm going to learn more. I'm going to find out how we can support you, but if people want to learn more about what you're up to with Team Brownsville, Andrea Morris Rudnick on Facebook, and I'm sure if somebody just were to search for Team Brownsville, there's ways of getting in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for putting the word out. Thanks, Andrea. Really glad to get the word from right where this is happening. So thanks for speaking with us today. You're welcome. That's Andrea Rudnick, my cousin down in Brownsville, Texas, helping a lot of people in need. To our listeners, if you want to learn more about uh, the work of Andrea and Team Brownsville past what you heard today, or maybe you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can find more information, including their contact information, on our website, etown.org. Also, we'd love to hear what you think about this segment or the show in general. You can connect with us through social media, or you can write us the old-fashioned way, if you so choose, at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Okay, mountain goats are going to be back in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you what's next. Joe Sampson grew up in Connecticut. He's lived in Seattle for a while. He's been living in Denver for quite a while now. He's been writing songs since he was a teenager. He came to Denver, made a bunch of friends, and got in bands right away. He made friends with Nathaniel Rateliff, as I mentioned early on. And they played a lot together. They wrote songs together. Uh, I think Nathaniel even sang on uh, some of Joe's gigs. But he's put out a record under his own name. He's just finished his second one. And meanwhile, he's a former letter carrier for the post office, following in his dad's footsteps, actually. He's come out into the open lately more as a musician, playing more shows than usual, getting back into the music thing. And um, that's good because he's good at it. And he's really a great songwriter. So we're really happy to have him for his first visit to E-Town. Please welcome Joe Sampson.
I've been kneeling on the ceiling oh, with my head up high. And if there's someone, there's gonna be some truth that clearly I've been left behind. up all the matter and the sun will shine upon you lonely bastard Samson. Here I am. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so, so you grew up in Connecticut, and uh, was it a, a musical household? Did you have a bunch of records or people play music in your house? Um, my dad was a singer, and it was purely a cappella. We had no instruments in our house. I mean, he listened to a lot of music, but it was mostly, if you can't sing it without music, then no good. So wow. you would just sing, and then... What which, kind of songs did he sing? My dad was more into like Perry Como and Frank Sinatra and uh, but he was a good Al Jolson. He was, he was an amazing singer, singer and, yeah. he, and he, he pushed that on us. I mean, I never think their parents are amazing. Well, not everybody. <laughs> but I do. And, uh, but he was a true talent for sure. I mean, yeah. he, he, was, he, was, he was incredible. Was there a moment or a song or an artist or a show or a record or something that happened for you that gave you the sense that you could write songs as opposed to just learning songs? I feel like it was always in me to write songs. Mm-hmm. When I first got the guitar, I wasn't learning covers. I just instantly was trying to write a song oh, from, cool. from day one. Yeah. 
Did you have musical uh, sort of North Stars, some heroes that you were looking yeah. to get? The Beatles. Yeah. For, I mean, straight out, the Beatles are yeah. still what then, now, they're, they're, yeah. they're the best. I mean, it's like yeah. still number one thing in my life. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, we had an artist on our show years ago who's a guy named Jeb Lloyd Nichols who lives in London, and um, he's an American songwriter. He talked about walking and how walking as a songwriter helped him find that sort of cadence. And I couldn't help just knowing that both you and your dad were mail carriers for the post office at some point in your lives, whether the walking and the pace and the cadence of that ever contributed to your songwriting. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I can speak for me. I mean, it definitely the walking. I mean, I think that uh, I used to, uh, if I was writing a song, I'd work on lyrics, mostly lyrics, never just writing songs. I, I had the song probably written just eking out lyrics. You'd have a groove and you'd listen to it in the yeah, I'm sure headphones I'd, yeah. or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had some of my own stuff on headphones, yeah. listening to my own stuff, yeah, yeah. constantly. Yeah. Did but you get yes, bit, bitten by sure. dogs? I got bit three times by dogs. Yeah. yeah. I have this romantic sense of what a letter carrier uh, is like, <laughs> but um, the letter carrier is life, you know, when it's a beautiful day and, you know, I imagine that it's not a bad gig, but maybe it's not so great. I don't know. I have terrible anxiety, so therefore I think... The walking over and over again just kind of like got to my brain too yeah. much. You know, I just overthought things. Yeah. I've got where we go on the question. It's okay. I, I, think you're, I think you're overthinking. <laughs> again, just uh, day job, night just, job. No, no, no. Just, just write songs and play them, and I think it's going to be okay. For sure. I noticed earlier that you and I have socks that are similar to each we other. We do. I always made me that. feel a little, uh, a certain solidarity. We do. Yeah, the brotherhood of the striped sock. Yeah. Um, so listen, I know that you've got a record that you put out about seven years ago. Can people get access to that? Is they it available? Can. I just re-put it on Spotify. It's called Kill Our Friends. Um, and it's under your name and it's available on Spotify. It's now yeah. on Spotify. And you got another one in the hopper that's cooking I'm along? I'm making one right now with my friend Pat Meese. Yeah. And I Coming have a right bunch up. of local people that most people wouldn't know yeah. that are on it. They're incredible. Yeah. Well, listen, I think it's great that you're... Um, being a little more public with your performances and you're sharing your songs a little more. And, this is uh, my plan. Yeah, we got more to play. Let's get yeah, to it. Yeah, you're going to play with me. I think you guys are coming up. All right, we'll see what happens. Fantastic. Welcome back, if you would, to E-Town, Joe Sampson. I'd like to thank uh, Nick Helen and the... Well, I'm bringing Helen up right now, right? For this song? We're going to do... Are we doing Ryan next? Okay. I'm here. She's here. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Isn't it good 
to have fun Even when you're the only one We were walking through the blood Of all the things we have not done Denver, Colorado, that's Joe Sampson. Along with the Etone, Zach Littlefield. 
this week on the drums. Eric Moon on the keys, Helen Forster singing backup, Joe Sampson. This portion of E-Town is made possible by Silk, the charter sponsor of Change the Course. The program was co-created with National Geographic to restore water in critically water-stressed ecosystems. You can learn more about Silk's commitment to the environment and to plant-based nutrition at silk.com. Now, if you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in iTunes and Spotify and other podcast directories. Now, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. <laughs> I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WCNR in Charlottesville, Virginia, The Corner, on KBCO in Denver, Colorado, and on WOHM, OM Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you want to get more information about any of our guests, if you'd like to see just exactly how striped the striped socks are today, there's photos of that and more on the web at etown.org. You can also find out about how to get tickets to live shows and much, much more. That's at etown.org. We also have an etown app for smartphones. If you're interested, free app helps you listen to all kinds of shows. So we've covered some ground. We've had some thoughtful songs. We've had some conversations from the border. And now we are back. So would you please help me welcome back to etown, the mountain goats. Stroking on 
the surface Moonlight on its face Floats the Tianchi monster Staring into space Thanks to the band. We never get a chance to play that one. That was fun. Thank you so much. Hustle up the spiral stairs. See if anything's left up there. Teams on the scene from several stations. Everybody adjust your expectations Stray clumps of hair and blood and brain Fragments of bone in the drain Rookies trying to keep the airway clear But the damage is too severe Ringing the cadaver Sniffing dog Bringing the cadaver Sniffing dog Bringing the cadaver Sniffing dog Bringing the cadaver Army crawlers down ash wet floors for war Veterans on their hands and knees Nobody's ready for days like these Wait till you come up on the smoking back And even then you check Radio home If there were any survivors, they fled the scene. Bring in the cadaver. Sniffing dog. Bring in the cadaver. Sniffing dog. Sipping 
Thank you so much. The Mountain Goats. John Darneal. Matt Douglas. The record is called In League with Dragons at on Merge Records. With a little help from the E-Tones. We've got time for one more song. I want to thank everybody for being on the show. Um, all of our guests came out to be with us today. Thanks to the Mountain Goats for traveling so far and getting here. Um, thanks to our, our interviewee, Andrea Rudnick, my cousin down in Brownsville, Texas, helping asylum seekers both before and after they get processed down there right on the border, really telling us what the crisis is about. Thanks to Joe Sampson for coming up from Denver. We, uh, we, we, we think we picked a good one. Um, you'll, I hope you'll enjoy this, this song we've got for you. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here. Any town. Fee, fee, fi, fi, fo, fo, fo. I smell smoke from the auditorium. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Oh, he's a clown. That Charlie Brown. He's gonna get caught. Just you wait and see. Everybody always picking on me That's him on his knees I know that's him Yelling seven come eleven In the boys gym Charlie Brown Charlie Brown Oh he's a clown That's Charlie Brown He's gonna get caught Just you wait and see Why's everybody always picking on me Who's on the wheelie Produced by our donor-supported nonprofit organization. To comment about the show, email us at info at etown.org or connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. Distribution is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. Everybody always picking on me. They picked it, I'm telling you. They chose the song. Worked okay. Mountain Goats. Joe Sampson, V-Tones, Helen Forster, all our volunteers and engineers, thank you all for coming out. We'll see you next time.
This is a production of the E-Town Radio Network. That's the Mountain Goats, plus Joe Sampson and our award winner doing amazing work down in Brownsville, Texas through Team Brownsville, Andrea Morris-Rudnick. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening.